Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. So can I just pray? Father, we, we thank you, Lord, for your amazing grace. God, we thank you for your blessing and your favor and your provision and your protection, God. And, and Lord, this morning, I just pray, God, that your, the word is sharp, God, is from your word, from the Gospels and from, from your word, the Bible. And, uh, and Lord, that it will, I don't know, it will just make sense to people here this morning, Lord, as we consider this, this subject of joy. God, we, we all desire joy in our life it's something we all want and yet somehow they can get sucked out of our lives on the way through and so father i pray lord that you give me the energy to uh to, to share this in a way that you want it to be shared god and uh and we pray that in jesus precious name amen hey uh neil said to me just before he said oh. and uh it's a series on philip out of book of philippians there's four chapters in the book of philippians so we're going to do four messages out of the, that book and uh, it's about joy. It's about this morning, I, I, I particularly want to focus in on choose joy. That's what I called this message, choose joy. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and I think uh, the, the writer of the book of, of Philippians, the Apostle Paul, is just an amazing guy. He wrote most of the epistles in the New Testament, just such a significant uh, guy in the in the church to start with, and, and really, if you look at Paul's life, before he became a Christian, he had it pretty easy. When he became a Christian, his his life got really difficult. You know, he was under persecution. He got whipped. He got he got arrested without real any any real reason. Uh, he, he he was taken away from his home and transported to to uh, Rome and and uh, he got a shipwrecks and he got bitten by a snake and he got flogged almost to death and he got stoned and 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 that's not recreationally by the way that, that that's you're probably thinking oh so at least if he might be feeling the pain no no it's not that sort of stone it's actually they, they threw rocks at him and almost killed him almost killed him you know and uh, um, sorry I, uh, my head goes funny places from time to time. Um, and now he's under arrest. When he's writing this book, he's under armed guard arrest in a prison. House arrest, it calls, but I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it wouldn't be a nice house. It would be like a dungeon. And, and his future is looking bleak because he doesn't know the outcome of all this. He's going to get judged by, I think, Nero. And, 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 and he doesn't know the outcome. It's very likely he will get executed. He'll get killed. Or he'll just die from malnutrition in the process of, of where he is. And he, he's okay with the outcome. I want you to hear this this morning. Because the last verse in this chapter 1 says this. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me, to live is Christ, so I'm going to live for Christ while I'm on this earth. To die is gain, because I'll go to be with Jesus. And it, it's a spectacular uh, position in terms of what Paul believes and what he's going through, and, and great teaching for us, a great indicator of us of the way we should be living our lives in the tough circumstances sometimes. Because you'd really think if someone was going through that much pressure, that much drama, that much tough stuff, 
if they're writing a letter, I know if it was me, <laughs> I know what I'd be writing that letter. I'd be complaining and whinging and whining and why aren't you helping me and what, what, what's going on and, and, uh, and God, where are you? And, and, and I get a little bit negative or depressed or, and, and you know, we, we get so depressed so easily these days with very little opposition. We, we I don't know, we've just got to build some, I don't know, some, something inside us and, and it's not in us, it's in God. It's our, our strength, our joy comes from the Lord his strength in us, and that's what it is. And, 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 and you know, I, I just look at Paul, I think, man, how can I share this in a way that our church can understand? It's not about the circumstances we're going through. We so often look at the circumstances and make our life, whether we're happy or joyful or not, based on the circumstances we're going through, and it's not about the circumstances. It's about the joy in us and what's going on in us and then operates and goes out of us, through us, into our environment, the place we are. And, and, and I hope I can encapsulate that this morning because I, I just know it's so important to understand this joy thing. See, oh, I won't go there yet. The joy, the word joy and rejoice and enjoy and, and uh, glad is used 17 times in this short book. 17 times. Paul is in jail. He's writing a letter to the church that he planted in Philippi. And, and he, he loves the church. And I would have thought he would go, well, come on, send me some money, send me some food, send me some people, send, send me that. And he's not doing that. He's going, he's talking about joy and rejoicing. And, and there's a verse there, rejoice again, I, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. He's almost teaching it to himself, I think, in the process, but he's telling the church it's okay. Yeah? To, to live as Christ, to die as gain. It's okay. And, and, and Paul wrote that, that book of you know, the Romans. It was just a, he wrote it to the Roman church. It's a great theological book. It's on grace and, and justification and righteousness. And, and it's a great book. And, and, and now he's in Rome writing to the church of Philippi. But, but I just thought he must have remembered this verse out of Romans 12 too. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve God's will. What will God's will is? His perfect, good, pleasing will. And, and you see, Paul has to live out that verse in this situation as he's writing this letter. He has to renew his mind intentionally, proactively every day to think the best, to, to encourage himself, to encourage those around him as well. Because, you know, truthfully, I think everyone else would say something like, this isn't fair. Where's God? Why, 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 haven't, why haven't you got me out of here, God? You know, I've got more to do. Where, where are my friends? Instead, he chooses joy. Instead of misery, he chooses joy. Instead of reacting, he chooses to rejoice. And, uh, and, and I think we sometimes make happiness a goal in life. And happiness and joy are very two different things. I just want to just touch on that just a little bit before I get into this. Happiness and joy are very two very different things in life. You see, we look for happiness in our circumstances. We need to create joy in our world. We need to create joy in our hearts day in and day out. And... and and, and happiness should never be the goal because happiness is temporary. Happiness is based on what's happening to us, happenings, 
happening to us. Joy is a very different proposition. Joy is eternal. The joy is a result of right living and obedience and responding to God. It's a consequence of that. Happiness is external. Joy is internal. You know, 2 Corinthians, another book that Paul wrote, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. Therefore, do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but as what is unseen, since what is unseen is, oh, sorry, what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. You see, our happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based in Christ. You know, Philippians 4.11, For I've learned to be content wherever, whatever the circumstances. Happiness happens by chance. Oh, I won the lottery. Now I'm happy. Oh, I've given all that money away. Now I'm sad. Oh, I, I, I'm going to the pictures, to the, the cinema. Oh, I'm happy. Oh, I have to pay money. And I didn't like the, 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 the thing, so I'm, now I'm sad. See, it, it, we can live out. Oh, today's sunny, so now I'm happy. Oh, it's starting to rain. Now I'm sad. You see, we can live our lives like that, reactive to, to the circumstances, to the situation in our world, in our life. Oh, I got paid today. Now I'm happy. Oh, I've spent all the money. Now I'm sad. You know, we can live like that. And, and I want to challenge you here this morning. Happiness is based on circumstances. Joy is based in Christ. Happiness happens by chance. Joy happens by choice. You know, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. It's a great verse. I love this verse. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. What are you going to choose in life? Choose life. The choice is there. What are you going to choose? Blessing, curses, life or death? Choose life. You know, as I said, Paul wrote this, this letter from jail. And what I recognized when I read it again this time, I actually recognized something that I hadn't probably seen before, that, that he was speaking to the church in Philippi, the church that he planted, and there was... It was out of relationship that he was able to draw on this joy. And I think for many of us, if we understand this, sometimes it's, it's difficult to have a great amount of joy when we haven't got good relationships in our lives. That relationships are so important. And, and joy is best developed in and through relationships, okay? It's very hard to be joyful, even though Paul is in this situation. It's very hard to be joyful for a long period of time when we're isolated and by ourselves and don't feel like there's anyone in our world, it's very difficult to sustain that joy in our life. And so I think joy, Paul leaned on this thing relationship, relationally to the church of Philippi. And, and, I feels, and he's writing that letter to them, obviously. And, and I feel like relations, relationships are so important to him in this time because he hasn't got anyone around him. But he chooses to look at the positive. He chooses to thank them for sending him money and, and different things, even though he probably needed more. And, and we can have everything in this world, money, houses, cars, boats, uh, sex, 
um, we can have all that stuff in our worlds, but if we haven't got relationships, I, I think it's hard to have that joy. It's difficult to have joy. And, I, I, and that's probably where I want to go this morning, is talk about relationships a little bit. There's something I recognised quite in, early in our ministry, my ministry at Macquarie. Came on staff and uh, was oversighting a few teams. And one particular team was the video team. And uh, there's a great guy leading that, a young guy. He was married, had a great wife, was in business in the, the audio field. Um, uh, very great technically, knew exactly what to do. And, uh, and I thought, wow, th- this, this young guy's got it together. It seemed like he had it together. Uh, he was leading in this, the ministry in the church and uh, he was doing great. Then out of the blue, we heard that he'd overdosed on drugs and died. And we think he took his own life. And I remember going to the funeral stunned. I remember just being totally wiped out. I thought, my goodness, what happened? I'd actually been with him the Saturday night before at an FA Cup party. We watched the FA Cup together in a room of guys. But we, he was in that room and I must admit, I didn't even talk to him that whole night. And, and it just was like God just was like with a sledgehammer. It was just like, he, he really impressed on me right then, and hopefully I'll never forget it, that the important thing in our lives, it's not all the stuff, it's about relationships. It's about relationships. And the end of our days, the only thing left on this earth is actually the fruit of our relationships. Yes, we might build the houses, but guess what? They're going to crumble, the cars are going to rust, all that stuff's going to just be gone. The only thing that will actually last is the fruit of our relationships, those people we've sown into, the people we've sown into us, you know, and and it doesn't even matter how big or great we do or how much money we make or any of those things, even the size of this church, that doesn't matter to God, really. It, it, it really doesn't matter. What's important is relationship. And for me as a pastor, I'm telling you, I've just seen too many people burn out in church and I'm just determined as much as I can possibly help that, not to do that. Yes, we'll lead. Yes, we'll encourage. Yes, we'll be strategic. But I just refuse to burn out anyone in this process. It's my heart. It's a pastor's heart, I guess. And and I, I love that we've got a church that can operate in that and do really well and flourish in that place. It's actually important. What is important is the nature, the relationships we nurture, and we build and we encourage and develop and we grow. That's where our joy is. You know, I love getting together with my kids. It's just a joy, you know. And it's not because we're together. It's because of who they've become and who you've seen them grow into. You know, I love what we did here last Saturday night. It was just a joy to be here. Again, it wasn't necessarily that we were the circumstance of that, but it was actually that we were together that, that we're just really enjoying each other's company. There was food, there was, there was fun, there was songs, there was Chris singing and, um, you know, and, and Sharon dancing too. And, uh, um, you know, it was just great fun. And, and, and you know, and, and can I tell you, I love all that, but I'm not a big party person. Matt sort of said a few words through tears. You just get that feedback every now and then. And it just makes a difference. You go, wow. 
you know, I, I love what we're doing here. I do. I, I just love what we're doing here. And uh, I love the church. I understand how Paul feels about his church as he's writing this letter. And I'm determined as a pastor never to push too hard in leadership, to value relationships, love people more than the form of doing church. <laughs> Probably won't hear too many pastors say that, but uh, the appearance of success, I don't care about success. Healthy things grow, so I expect our church to grow, but I'm not going to make it grow. I'm not going to bash people around their heads because I reckon it's an absolute trap of the enemy. Anyway, as I read this letter from Paul, it reminded me, and I realized that this was a thank you note to the church. This is about relationships, and that was why he was so joyful in this process. You know, I want to read Philippians 1, verses 1 to to 11 to start off here this morning, and and, uh, uh, I just think it's a great, I haven't got it on the screen for you, so you'll just have to grab it in your Bibles if you've got it there. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. In, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseas and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And this, this next section is titled Thanksgiving and Prayer. I thank my God every day I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your re- partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I put, since I have you in my heart. Sorry, For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you sharing God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ Jesus to the glory and the praise of God. It's a beautiful passage, isn't it? It's a beautiful passage. And, uh, and I, I think what I want to say here this morning is, how do we ju- choose joy? How do we find joy through relationships maybe? It's out of gratitude for the people in our lives. It's out of gratitude for the people in our lives. And that's my first point. You know, Philippians 1.3, I thank God, I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God for every time I remember you. Do you think like that when you think about people? What are your first thoughts when you think about somebody? By nature, we're not really that thankful, I don't think. Some of you might be, but maybe I'm just talking about myself here this morning. But if we can get and develop this habit of gratitude to be more joyful, we'll be more resilient in our lives, we'll actually, uh, uh, I don't know, we'll just have a different perspective on life. And it's been shown in studies over and over and over again, thankful people are the most joyful people on this earth. Thankful people are the happiest people even on this earth. And our natural default setting seems to be to think critically or negative or a natural man t- seems to take control. And um, I don't know, sometimes that's even more the, the case when we've known someone for a long period of time. We actually start to get really critical somehow uh, in that process. And, and that is shown in marriage, you know. 
marriage is a, a great example of that. We're attracted to our spouse. It's that difference that attracts us to them. It's interesting. It's exciting. It's different. And uh, it's because opposites attract. The problem is when we're living together, day in and day out, year in and year out, it drives us crazy. You know, we're, we're thinking, oh, my goodness. Can't, can't you be more like me? You know, and, and, and that's the, the challenge of relationship. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because we are different, what that does, it brings balance to our relationship. So you never underestimate the value of your partner. Never underestimate what they bring to your relationship. Yes, they're different, but different isn't, difference isn't bad. It's just that it's different. And, and it brings a balance to your relationship as a consequence of that. Paul goes on in, in Philippians 1 verse 5, I thank God for the help he gave me. Paul chose to thank God, even though he's going through a tough time. Thank those people in God, even though he's going through a really tough time. And so that's the first thought I had this morning, you know, about joy, finding joy through our relationships. We have to have gratitude for the people in our lives. The second thought is pray joyfully for the people in our lives. Pray joyfully for the people in our lives. Doesn't it encourage you when you know someone is praying for you? Not just saying they'll pray for you, they actually are praying for you. It certainly does me. Such an encouragement. I remember when we planted this church, we didn't have a prayer team. We didn't have anything. We, we were lucky to do week-to-week church, you know, and, and get everyone doing all sorts of different things. And we went to a district event at one stage, and this woman who headed up the intercessory, intercessory prayer team in the Hunter was talking to Robin and myself, and she said, do you, do you have anyone praying for you? No. We're praying for ourselves. Does that count? You know, but but no, I don't think so. And and she said, "Look, I, I, you, you guys have been on my heart. I didn't even know her. Seriously, I didn't even know who she was." And she said, "You know what? I I think it's not only that people aren't praying for you and your church; they're actually pr- praying against your church when we first planted." I was like, "Whoa, that's heavy." And so she committed the the hunter team to pray for our church every week they got together. And it, it just made a difference. It just made a difference. Things broke through that we, we didn't even know were there sometimes. You know, Bill and Dorothy, who some of you will know, um, gathered a few people in the early days and started praying every week for our church. They, they grow, gathered a few people around and they started praying. And it was just amazing how much difference it made. And even though Bill and Dorothy aren't with us anymore, they're down the central coast, they're still praying for us. They send us a text every now and then, praying for you, believing good things in God, just, just praying for you. And it's just wonderful to know somebody is praying for you. Um, you have to know that Robin and I continually pray over you guys. Every, maybe not every day, but, but generally every week at least. And, and we pray over you if we know there's stuff going on in your life. Obviously we're praying for you, but even if there's not, we're praying over you as a church. We're believing the best for you. We're praying joy over you, joyfully over you. Um, you know, and that's why we're doing this prayer request thing and bring a highlight to that again. We want to know what your prayer requests are. We will pray for it in church. We're going to hand on to the intercessory team. They'll be praying for it. And when we get those praise reports, we want to build your faith as a consequence of that, knowing that God is real, that he does still answer prayers. And, uh, and that's a great blessing. You know, think about someone who irritates you. Don't look at them. We need to pray for them <laughs> with a heart full of joy. I said not to look at them. 
um, pray for them with a heart full of joy. So that's what the one version of Philippians 1.4 says. It's how the New Living Translation. I always pray for you and I make my request with a heart full of joy. A heart full of joy. You and me, we can't change anybody, but you can pray for them. You can pray for them. If you pray for them joyfully, guess who's going to be changed? You, me. As we pray for them joyfully, we'll be changed. And you never know what God can do in that. You never know what he will actually do as a consequence of that. Positive prayer is better than positive thinking. Now, there's nothing wrong with positive thinking, I don't think. But, but you know, positive prayer is really powerful. You know, when we pray joyfully for each other, that's powerful. The quickest and best way to change a bad relationship to good, start praying for them joyfully. Pray the best for them. Pray, pray that, 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 that God will bless them big time. And, and, and so you might be asking, well, what should I pray for them? Well, I'm glad you asked. So I've just happened to prepare this next section out of Philippians 1, nine, verse 9 to 11, actually. It says this, and this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so you may be able to discern what is best, may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Christ, Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's a great prayer, but I want to just break this. Four things I found in that. Four things that we can pray for. Pray that they will grow. Pray that they will abound more and more. That your love may abound more and more. One version does say that you'll grow more and more. Pray that they'll grow. Pray that not get an understanding of who they are in Christ or even understand who God is, I guess. Pray they'll grow in that process. Pray, the second thing is pray they'll make wise choices. You know, verses 9 to 10, it says that you'll be fully know and understand how to make the right choices. Help, pray for them. Pray for your kids. Pray for people in your life. Pray that they'll make wise choices in life. Continually pray for them. The third thing is pray that they'll live with integrity. You know, verse 10 says, so we may be able to discern what is best, may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That they'll live with an integrity. They'll want to live with an integrity that is beyond natural understanding. And the fourth thing, pray they'll become more like Jesus. Verse 11 that you'll be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. And, and so let's talk about fruit there, and that's how the Galatians 5.22, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You know, joy is a fruit of the Spirit as well. Pray that for that fruit in their lives. Grow, wise choices, integrity, become more like Jesus. We can all do with that sort of prayer. See, we don't have to pray to God and say, what will I pray, God? It's in God's Word. It's, it's like pray that. Pray that over your kids. Pray that over your family. Pray that over your church. Pray that over our community. Pray that over anybody that you want to pray for. Pray that every day of our lives. What a great thing. Third point, expect the best for people in my life. Expect the best for people in my life. See, Philippians 1.6, I'm confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion till the day of Christ Jesus. I'm confident of this. I'm absolutely confident of this. Believe for the best for people in your lives. Pray with an absolute confidence, even, even when they stumble, 
even when they fall, even when they make mistakes, even when things aren't going right, pray with an absolute confidence that God who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. See, I found acceptance or grace precedes breakthrough. We, are, we always think, well, no, it's judgment and, and, and making sure they know that they've done wrong. And, and No, no, no. Acceptance precedes breakthrough in people's lives. When they feel accepted, they feel free to move forward. Don't tell it like it is. Tell it like it could be. Tell it like it could be. Don't tell them what they're doing wrong. Tell them who they could be. You see, Paul believed in people. He had confidence in God and therefore in people. People will let you down. Of course they will. That, that's, that's a given. But believe and expect the best. Now, people, Paul didn't rely on people for his joy. But he received joy as he believed the best for them and in them. He looked beyond their faults and their limitations and he spoke belief in them. Do you do that? Do you do that? I hope you do. I hope you do. Or are you always looking for the faults? You see, that's a natural man, looking for criticisms and judgments and you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right. Paul gave people vision. He painted a picture of the future. Why is that important? Because we live up or down to people's expectations of us. You know, there's a great story about, um, uh, uh, it's a, a teacher story, that a, a parent went along to an interview with a teacher, and to a son's teacher, and uh, uh, there were two boys in the class with the same name. And the teacher got confused which parent this was. Told the, the parent that uh, uh, the Johnny was a great student, it was an excellent student, it was a pleasure to have around the classroom, when in fact the opposite was true of his behaviour. The mother went home from the interview, told the boy what the teacher said. The next day, the boy came to school. Went straight to the teacher said, no teacher's ever said that about me before. You actually like having me in your class? Thanks. And from that day on, that little boy became the model student that he could have always been. We live up or down to people's expectations of us. We need to speak prophetically into people. That just means to encourage them. It just means to speak you could be this. You know, in the future, I can see this for your life. I can see, and it doesn't even have to be for the church. It can actually be for all sorts of people outside the church. You know, people are craving encouragement. Everyone's in craving encouragement. They want someone to believe in them. And, and we, as a church, can be the ones that actually expect the best for people, that we can pray with a confidence, because we have this confidence in God, that he'll complete the good work that he started in each one of us. You know, I remember when we planted this church, and I'm just about ready to finish. I remember when we planted this church, um, we, you know, we had lots of young people. We had a few adults. Uh, we had no money, no resources. We were just making, going week to week. And, uh, and I remember sort of having a bit of a whinge to God one day. <laughs> God, we've got no money. We've got all these young people and there's lots of mess and a lot of things get broken because of it. But, but hang on, what about some adults? What about some grown-ups, please? And, and uh, I sort of remember getting a rebuke, a prompt in my spirit. And, uh, and it was firstly not to compare yourself to anyone else because I was doing the comparison thing. Well, they've got great musos and they've got great, you know, they've got a great building and because we were in a church, uh, school hall at that stage. And uh, I remember God clearly saying this. Go for the ones that no one else wants. 
Go for the ones that no one else wants. That's not going to help me, God. Like, I I need something now. But then he said, no, no, because one day everyone will want them. One day everyone will want them. And I'm telling you, it's come true. It's the truth. Look at our team. Our young people, our leaders. Chris. Everyone wants a Chris. Everyone wants a Matt. But they didn't want them 15 years ago when they was annoying. And and and, and I bumped into him in the Woolworths supermarket and said, oh, I have to work Sundays. I only met him once. I said, mate, maybe think about seeing if you can not work Sundays so you can come to church. He went, oh, that's a good idea. It was true, wasn't it? It was a good idea. And, um, and now everyone wants what we've got, you know. Matt, Matt's wife, Beck, magnificent at what she does. You know, just look around our team. Sherry, the legend bass player and our youth, our kids pastor, you know. And, and, and they were cute when they came to church. But, but you know, um, no one else probably saw that I, like Rob and I said, they're kids pastors. Sherry and Steph. No, Steph's not here this morning. They are amazing. You see, we need to celebrate how far people have come rather than judging how far they still have to go. Never look at your circumstances and get unhappy with them. We need to have a confidence in God, in Christ, and and approach our life with the joy of the Lord is my strength. That I don't care what the circumstances are saying to me right now, to my natural man, I'm believing for the best in my life, in my circumstance, in the church, in your, in your life. I'm believing for the best. I'm believing there's yet more to come, that the best is yet to come, as Brian Houston would say. That there's so much more for each and every one of you. Prophetically, I can say, each one of you has got so much more yet to come. Come on, let's, let's lift our spirits at this time. We've got, you know, we're, we're running in the end of the year and, and I know sometimes it, it just gets... You get tired and run down and all those sorts of things. Let's lift our hearts to what, how God would want us to go through this season. Let's start to operate in the way that He wants. Can we stand to our feet? I want to pray and then I'll, we'll finish. Sorry, guys. Thank you, Father, for all that you've done in us and through us, Lord. God, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ for a joy that goes beyond our circumstances. That It's not a, a circumstantial thing. It's not what happens to us, God. It's who you are in our God, in our life, God. To win is just to have Christ with us, to be with Christ, to share the Word of God, to share His love for people. And God, I pray over everyone here this morning to declare that you are King of Kings and Lord of Lords of their lives. I pray that in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.